Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. The NICU journey is a roller coaster filled with ups and downs, twists and turns. Managing stress is a challenge and yet so important for families navigating the NICU experience. Having several stress management tools in your back pocket is helpful not only during your time in the NICU, but for years beyond. Today's guest will walk us through several practices to help us as we navigate life's challenges, especially in the NICU. Tego Malley is a meditation teacher and contemplative artist weaving together evidence-based methodology with his creativity and open heart. Tig is a qualified teacher of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program through the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and training at the Penn Program for Mindfulness at the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center. He is also a certified teacher of the Cultivating Emotional Balance and the Breathing Class programs. Tig teaches meditation workshops, courses, and retreats in healthcare, education, corporate, and community settings around the world. Tig, I'm so happy you're here today. I did want to let all of our listeners know that they should be sure to check the show notes as we will be having several practices today during this episode. So they'll be able to see when they are taking place. And we have several practices that will be available on the todayisagoodday.org website for families and listeners to access in the future. So welcome. Thank you. So happy you're here. I have to tell you, our NICU journey was 10 years ago when our identical twin girls were born at 23 weeks and five days. The stress was overwhelming. Our daughter, Mary, passed away after two weeks. Claire spent three and a half months in the NICU, and it was a very stressful time for our family. I wish that I had had these types of tools in my toolbox to go to, to learn how to breathe and use those breathing exercises for stress management, stress reduction. My anxiety personally actually came on several years after our NICU journey. And that is when I researched more about mindfulness. I also took the Penn course and it was life-changing. I mean, it taught me breathing practices that I still do today and, and just taking a moment. So I'm so excited that you are here and I'm hopeful that you could give us a quick overview of what we're going to be covering today. Sure. Thanks so much, Martha. It's wonderful to be here. Um, and I think just to mention what when you were describing about how your stress manifested after your NICU journey, the trauma, whether it's big T or little t, stays in the body until we actually turn and face it. So these tools can really help us be with those 911 moments, but also months or years later when the stress is awakened again and how we can start training the brain, the mind to work with those moments. So today we're going to be going through some techniques. Uh, we'll have three different categories. Uh, one is going to be focused on relaxation. So bringing balance and calmness into the nervous system, especially during those times of uh, difficult emotions, heightened emotional experiences. Uh, and then we'll also be doing uh, an exploration of mindfulness, which is a bit more of a skill building longer term practice that supports us uh, navigating those stressful moments with 
new neurological pathways in the brain to help us stay present and responsive to them. And then finally, we'll be dipping our toes into some heart-opening exercises, loving kindness, compassion for the self, and gratitude. Oh, I'm excited for this, uh, for sure. So let's start with relaxation. Tell us how these practices can help during times of stress. When we're in times of stress, whether it's uh, getting difficult news or having a very uh, difficult emotional experience, our body responds as if there's a physical threat in front of us. Even though we may just be sitting having a conversation or hearing information, the way that our body responds to it is as if there is a threat to it. So the reaction is to either prepare to fight or run away. And so this is where we start noticing things in the body, like the heart rate increasing or adrenaline rushing into the body. We, some may even feel the need to get up and run. We just don't want to be in the situation anymore. And so what happens is the body can start tightening, uh, that we can actually start experiencing the stress in various parts of the body, uh, which then can cause inflammation and over the long term, if it's not addressed, more serious disease and also a lot of chatter in the mind. So practicing some of these simple uh, relaxation techniques can help send the signal to the brain, there is no threat. Yes, there's difficult emotions here, but my body is safe, I am safe. Uh, and it can help mitigate some of that release of those stress hormones just by simple things like becoming aware of the breath and extending the abdomen on the inhale. And so these practices are not to try and push away or gloss over or sugarcoat difficult experiences. They're helped to meant support us through them so we can navigate them with a sense of steadiness and ease. Great. And what are some of the relaxation techniques that can be helpful for parents that are going through difficult times? So the primary um, technique that we use is breath work. And this can include uh, diaphragmatic breathing, which we'll, we'll dip our toe into in a minute, uh, really taking an expansive breath through the diaphragm, relaxing the nervous system through that deep breath. There's also another practice on the website that's called alternate nostril breathing. And so this is a way of controlling the breath in a way that the nervous system can respond to in a sense of balance and calm. And also breathing is not always the easiest for people. Breathwork exercises can sometimes be more difficult for some people. So also on the website, <clears throat> we have a grounding and softening exercise. Grounding can really help when the mind is very active and these stress hormones are firing. Just bringing the awareness down to the feeling of the body resting on the ground can be very stabilizing and help steady uh, the mind. I never realized how important breath work was in all aspects of life, right? I mean, I even think about it when you're working out or you're lifting weights and you think about when you're inhaling, when you're exhaling. And I feel like that all ties back to reducing stress and just kind of managing that breath going in and out, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the breath is our primary way of communicating with the body. And then when we get into mindfulness, we'll also talk about it's the most available that we have, the mm -hmm. most available practice that we have. Um, so as we breathe, it's sending signals to the brain of what's going on in our experience. So the deeper, more expansive breath, we send the signal to rest and relax. The shorter the breath, mindless breathing can send a signal to the brain to get ready to fight or flight. So it's so important that whether it's in a 
a meditation or in a difficult conversation or the gym, that we are aware of our breathing patterns. And then we have these practices to help optimize the breath. Looking at the practices overall, and I know we're going to to get into some of these practices, but I think it's really important to share, and I'd love for you to add to it as well, Tig. So often I think people approach mindfulness and relaxation techniques or, or breathing techniques and think they have to be seated in a chair with two feet on the floor in a certain posture and have a dedicated hour to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Is mm-hmm. that true? Can you do these exercises wherever you are? Mm-hmm. So it can be helpful, what we would call a formal practice, where you are sitting upright, your feet are on the floor, the environment is uh, relatively distraction-free as much as possible. Uh, that's great for the skill building, for laying down those new neurological pathways. But there's also times where that's not available to us, where we don't have an hour or a half hour even Uh, where the environment that we're in might be chaotic. And so balancing those formal practices with more informal practices. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, just taking a minute before you walk through a doorway into a meeting and just feeling the breath, feeling the body on the ground, and then walking into the room. Just Mm -hmm. meant to help stabilize before we move into another chaotic experience. Well, and I think this ties back to the NICU, right? Mm -hmm. When I look back at our NICU experience, taking a breath before you wash your hands to go into the NICU environment. Or as a mother who was pumping in a room with a door closed, having a spot to sit and just do some stress management, breathing exercises that would have been calming to me at that time. Or sitting next to the isolate, holding Claire and being able to pay attention to how deeply I was breathing and just trying to relax and be calm in that moment with all of the beeps and the sounds of the NICU around me. So mm-hmm. I I think this ties back so much to families who are going through this stressful time of being in the NICU. When you look at the practices that we have available, what would you say is the most essential for a busy parent or a parent who is taking daily trips back and forth to the NICU to visit their baby? Well, I think the breath. The breath is the most available to us. It's always here for us. Uh, And so we know from science that it is the most effective way to get into the nervous system and bring that sense of calm. And you can breathe anywhere Mm -hmm. at any time. So true. So while it's important that we have the time of formal practice where we can build our skills and lay these new neurological pathways, also taking time throughout the day to what my teacher calls season the day, almost like sprinkling the day in with these uh, reminders or uh, ways of being present can really help us navigate uh, the stress of the NICU or whatever may be arising where we don't have time to light a candle and get into a peaceful place. Uh, so really seeing some of these practices as skill building that we can then uh, touch into throughout the day. Love that. Season the day. That's mm. that's great. Mm. So let's do a little practice. Yes. So this is an exercise in diaphragmatic breathing, and the full practice will be uh, available as a recording on the site. But just for now, for us here and then for uh, our listeners, that we can take a moment to just start becoming more aware of the breath. And if it feels comfortable for you for a few moments, you can close the eyes or perhaps lower them down to the ground in front of you. And without trying to change anything, let's just notice the breath. 
without manipulating the breath, just resting in the natural breathing rhythm, following the air as it flows in and out of the body. And noticing how the body might be moving to support this breath. Maybe there's a rise and fall of the chest. Maybe the shoulders are moving up and down slightly or the abdomen moving in and out. And to help deepen our awareness of this breath, it feels comfortable, you can place a hand on top of the abdomen just above the belly button. And then on your next inhale, beginning to breathe in a way as if you could expand the abdomen and push the hand forward. And then on the exhale, just releasing, relaxing the abdomen as the air flows out. And then on the next inhale, whenever you're ready, bringing that sense of expansion, almost as if you could fill a balloon with air in your abdomen or belly. And then on every exhale, relaxing, releasing the air, allowing the abdomen to gently drop back down. Inhaling, continuing this sense of pushing the hand forward. And exhaling, relaxing. And let's just stay here for one more breath, allowing the abdomen to expand. and relax. And then releasing that breath and just returning back to an awareness of your natural breathing. Noticing if there's any shift in the body or the mind just from taking those short breaths. And then as you're ready, returning back to open eyes. So what did you notice? Well, that was a great way to start this episode. I I always love focusing on the breath. I find an almost immediate sense of calming personally just for by taking a minute to focus on that. And I know you have been a guest on our coffee and conversation with our Greater Philadelphia NICU Miracle Parent Network. And so many of the families there have said the same thing. I mean, mm. it's something that we have available to us that helps keep us alive, and yet we don't necessarily take the time to really focus on that breath coming in and going out. And mm. so that was uh, that was a great way to start. Yeah, and it's a great practice too for, you know, you can be having a conversation with someone and no one needs to know that you're practicing diaphragmatic breathing. Sometimes you can just put a hand on your belly and as you inhale, feel that expansion happening and then the relaxation on the exhale. And so while you're continuing to have this conversation or go about your life, you're sending that signal to the brain, all is good, relax, rest. Yes. Even when it's not, we can still send that signal to the body to relax. All right. Longer versions of these practices are available at todayisagoodday.org. So this was just a, a touch, a glimpse into the relaxation practices that you will have available on the todayisagoodday.org website. Great. Mindfulness, Tig. I have to tell you, I think it comes across to many as a, a little bit intimidating when they hear that term and what that term means, but it's become a very popular concept. 
So can you tell us a little bit about mindfulness, what it is, and how this practice can help to support NICU parents? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, misnomers out there about around what, what mindfulness is. Uh, and the functional definition that we use in the program that I teach, mindfulness-based stress reduction, is paying attention to the present moment on purpose and without judgment. And so that's a little bit of a mouthful, but basically it just means being with what is here. It doesn't mean relaxing. It doesn't mean bliss. It doesn't mean trying to push away or change anything. It just means that we're practicing being present with what is. And over time, the more that we do that, we start allowing these pathways to form in our brain that allows us to meet stress in a way that we're a sense that we have a sense of openness, spaciousness. So often we find that we react to stress in a, almost like we're on autopilot. You know, like something stressful happens and then all of a sudden we have this instinctual response to it that may not always serve us or the other person very well. Well, and you're looking three steps down the road, right? When that stressful situation happens, instead of being in the moment of where you are, you're thinking, well, these are the next three things that are going to happen because of this. Exactly. And then totally missing what's actually here. You know, so if it's a conversation with a doctor or a partner and your mind is wandering into what's coming next and difficult emotions that arise with that around fear or uncertainty, you're missing what's actually here now. Um, And so the model that we use, it really moves the individual from uh, reacting to stress to noticing stress and then to skillfully responding to stress. So kind of coming off of that autopilot and being with what is. And in the practice, we're just noticing what we're feeling. We're we're choosing an anchor to rest our awareness with. And the mind will wander. So a lot of times people think, I can't meditate because I can't turn my mind off. I can't slow my thoughts down. And in mindfulness, we just notice that. We're not trying to change that. It doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad if you can't get your thoughts to turn off. We don't want that to happen. Those are they, those are a survival mechanism for us. What tips do you have? Because I think what you said is right on that people will say, including myself, well, I can't meditate. I can't turn my thoughts off. I, ca- I can't sit still for that long to really focus on where I am now. What are your best tips for people who are just getting started in this practice or who want to try this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things would be to uh, find a qualified teacher. Uh, there are tons of apps and they can be very, very supportive, even the recordings that we'll have on the Today's a Good Day website. But having a teacher or reading a book written by a a well-qualified teacher really can help us practice, lay down those pathways correctly the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other tip I would say is releasing expectations of what you're going to feel in the practice. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people will think that they should be feeling a certain way or that they should be feeling a certain way after the practice is over. And really thinking about this as like the gym. So you go to the gym to train the body so that you can lift heavier things outside of the gym. And mindfulness is very similar, that we're doing this training with small things like an awareness of the breath or sensations in the body so that over time we have those skills to meet life in the same way. Mm -hmm. We have practices on 
the todayisagoodday.org website around mindfulness. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's available there for families? Sure. So uh, the primary function of mindfulness is really developing awareness. And to do that, we use our sensory experience. So on the website, we have a variety of practices that can touch into different senses. Uh, We also know that some people don't respond well to an awareness of the breath. So paying attention to sound might be more effective for them. So we have a practice that um, uses the senses to anchor into what's happening. Mind will wander away, and then we gently invite it to come back. That's really where the magic of mindfulness is happening. We also have a practice called the body scan, which will focus very um, intimately in the sensations in the body or lack of sensations in the body as a way of becoming more familiar with how our body responds to stress. When is a good time to practice mindfulness? <laughs> Breath work can happen all the time. Mm-hmm. What about mindfulness? You know, there's, there's a saying that any time is a great time to practice mindfulness. However, <laughs> in the beginning, when we're first learning to practice, it's really important that we manage our expectations. So thinking again, like the gym, we're skill building. So setting aside time every day, whether it's 20 or 30 minutes, even 10 minutes, Uh, to practice helps build the strength over time so that we can be more mindful when we're off the cushion, as we say, when Mm -hmm. we're not in our formal practice. Um, When a parent may be in the NICU and just received difficult information or is feeling overwhelmed with really difficult emotion, sometimes trying to practice mindfulness by turning towards it can be difficult if we haven't already practiced before. Very similar to how it would be very difficult to walk into the gym and pick up a 400-pound weight without ever training. So while any time is a great time to be mindfulness, there is a difference between the skill building, uh, developing the tool of mindfulness versus kind of that informal practice um, of noticing how we're feeling, what's happening in our environment as our experience unfolds. And I would agree with you. I think that mindfulness has taken some practice. I took the Penn course, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course, personally, and it took some practice to Mm -hmm. learn how to, I don't want to say do mindfulness, but to to practice mindfulness, it, it definitely took practice internally to really focus on the present moment. It's very hard because your emotions and your thoughts and they wander off, but just bringing it back. Um, that's, that's great. Thank you. So there's two aspects of mindfulness that are very important. There's one, which is the single pointed concentration, picking an object to rest the awareness with, and then maintaining the focus there. And then the second aspect is the return from the wandering mind. Because as we all know how difficult it can be to concentrate, especially during times of emotional distress. So while there is the single point of concentration aspect, there's also how do we meet those moments of the mind wandering? And in the MBSR course, in a lot of the mindfulness books and on the apps, we talk about um, returning with a sense of loving awareness being kind and gentle, non-judgmental that the mind wandered away. It's okay that that happened. That's part of the present moment. And so by focusing on these two things, the single point of concentration and then this gentle return when the mind does wander, we're building that skill set so that we can treat life in the same way that we treat the wandering mind. So when we return from a mind wandering without judgment, without striving to fix it, without labeling ourselves as bad at this, 
we're doing the same thing for when we meet stress. This is okay. I can handle it. It makes sense that I'm feeling this way. So we practice with the small things in our practice to get us ready for the big things in life. That is a great analogy. And are you ready to take us through a mindfulness practice? Yes. Great. Okay. So if it feels comfortable, we can return back to closed eyes or perhaps lowering them down to a surface in front of you. And letting the past be in the past and the future in the future. Let's bring the awareness into what's happening right now. And so for you, that may include sensations in the body, just noticing what's alive and what you're feeling. And perhaps there's activity in the mind, thoughts arriving quickly and distracting you away from what you're feeling in the body. And that's part of your present moment. So just noticing if the mind is busy and not trying to change it. And for the next few minutes, let's choose an anchor to pay attention to. So for you, it might be the breath, feeling the air as it flows in and out of the nostrils or the rise and fall of the chest. For some, an awareness of sounds in your environment may be more supportive, just noticing the rise and fall of the vibrations in the ear. And for others, staying with an awareness of sensations in the body may be more noticeable in this moment. So whether you're with the breath or sounds in the environment or sensations in the body, just choosing one of those anchors for the next few moments and letting the mind rest with that experience. And as much as possible, not thinking about analyzing or visualizing the breath, the sounds or the body. Seeing if it's possible to mix the mind so completely with the experience that you're having, that there's no separation. Almost as if you're exploring or investigating this experience of your sensory awareness. And inevitably, as we rest our, our awareness here, the mind will slip away, become distracted by thoughts or other sensory experiences that arise. And that's perfectly fine. Remembering that it's the chance to practice our return. So noticing when a distraction arises, seeing if it's possible to relax, release whatever it is that you noticed, and then return back to the object of your awareness, whether it's the breath, sounds, or sensations in the body.
and continuing to rest the awareness in that experience. And simply noticing how the mind moves around it. There's analysis or evaluation. There's a story that this is difficult or you can't do it. That's all part of the present moment. And so just by noticing what's arising, you're practicing mindfulness. And then again and again, returning back to the object that you're anchoring your awareness into with a sense of ease and relaxation. Perhaps noticing the changing nature of what you're noticing. So perhaps noticing the breath beginning to slow down or deepen. Noticing how sounds can rise and abide and disappear. Noticing how a sensation in the body may shift and change as you rest your awareness with it. And just letting whatever's unfolding in your experience to be there. And then as we come to an end to this short practice, beginning to make your transition back to open eyes, if you had them closed. So what did you notice? I only got lost in my thoughts about 15 times. <laughs> 15 but opportunities to build new neurological right. pathways. That's right. Well, I did keep coming back to the breath, which is what I go to, breath mm-hmm. going in and out of my nose. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, that's what I kept coming back to. And I was building upon my past practices of being able to do that. Um, so, Tig, you have to talk to us about heart opening. You know, what does that, I know you touched on it a little bit when we started, but what does that term mean? And especially for NICU families or families that are going through trauma, what does heart opening mean? Sure. Great question. So, heart opening is a type of meditation that's a bit different from mindfulness. Mindfulness can be used as a tool when we practice heart opening to notice the experience and return when the mind wanders. But heart, the heart is the seat of our emotions. And so a lot of times when we're dealing with difficulty in life, whether it's stressful information or circumstances um, that are out of our control, we start to tighten and clench. And then our hearts can start to restrict. And so the emotions are not able to easily flow through us. So I support a group of emergency room doctors. And very often they're, when they're facing emotional situations, they have to start building a wall around their heart. They can't allow, they don't want to allow the emotions to come forward because of the nature of their work. And so what what we learned is that really to let emotions move, emotions being energy in motion, that they can clear out of us. And so to do this, we have to have an open, spacious heart. So these practices of gratitude, loving kindness, compassion can help do that with the emotions. But we're also seeing the science is showing us that when we practice heart opening meditations, that the level of cortisol in the body is reduced significantly during the practice. So it literally feels good to open the heart. And Mm -hmm. we can see that through what's happening with the hormones in the system. 
And the other benefit with this is that it really, like I like to say, it cleans the lens. And so we can view the world through uh, a lens of pessimism, negativity, uh, fear, anger, or we can clean the lens and view from a perspective of uh, an open heart, of compassion. May I be free from suffering. May all beings be free from stress. May I be happy and healthy. May all beings be happy and healthy. Even just saying those short words, in my own experience, I can I can feel that grounding happening. I love how you talk about gratitude. And in our family, gratitude is a big part of our lives. We talk about gratitude frequently when we were in the NICU and through our family's personal experiences. We would continue to say and say to this day, we are grateful for all things. We have a gratitude journal at home with the kids that we fill out at dinner to share what we are thankful for that day. But tell us a little bit more about gratitude in particular as a practice. Mm. So what we know from the science is people that practice gratitude, and there's all different forms of practicing it, uh, tend to have a more optimistic view of life. Um, we also know that people that practice gratitude on a daily basis sleep better. Uh, and as we've been mentioning, that it reduces the stress hormone cortisol. So there's lots of physical benefits to that. But also uh, a, a regular practice of gratitude, it starts widening that lens so we can see life in a more broad, expansive way. So when something difficult does happen, we have all of these pathways in the brain of here are all the good things. And it's not to cancel out or bring balance, like I've got all these really bad things going on, so I need to equal them with gratitude. It's more of a practice of beginning to clean that lens, open the aperture a bit wider. So when those difficult experiences do happen, we're not completely consumed by them. Mm -hmm. We actually have the pathways to see the broader picture rather than becoming so concentrated on the difficulty that we're experiencing. And what are some good ways to practice gratitude? So there's lots of different ways. I think, as you mentioned, the gratitude journal is a great practice uh, for individuals or families. Uh, so writing it down in a list form, easy breezy. Uh, I do my gratitude journaling on my phone on notes, you know, just kind of when I'm on the train or waiting in line, I'll pull my phone out and just start listing things that I'm grateful for That's in that idea. moment. Um you can also just sit and reflect. You don't, it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. Just, you know, three things that are going really well right now and just focus on those. Uh, lots of families will do before a meal. You know, that's, I'm grateful for this meal. I'm grateful for these good things that happened today. Or perhaps at the end of the day before sleep, just reflecting on things that went well. Um, but the key here is really to feel the gratitude. So it's great to write it down, but we have to take a moment to feel into the body where where, and how does it feel to be grateful. And so we've been talking a lot about neurological connections. When we feel the energy behind a thought, we're actually strengthening that pathway. We're actually adding a layer over that uh, neurological connection that helps reinforce it. So the invitation here is not just write it and not just think about it, but feel, where in the body do I feel gratitude? What does gratitude feel like? Gratitude in and itself is not an emotion. And so taking some time to tap into the emotional energy behind the gratitude is really important. And the last thing that science is showing us is that we can't just 
think and feel about what we're grateful for, we have to express it mm. in order to get the true benefits from it. So there's a quote that says, feeling your gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. Mm. And so, you know, it can be quietly in the mind. You don't even have to say it out loud. It can just be thank you. Mm -hmm. And it could be thank you to a person. It could be thank you to yourself. It could be thanking the universe or whatever your worldview is, you know, thanking, saying mm -hmm. thank you. When we're at the grocery store or someone does something, they hold a door for us. And it's so autopilot for us to just say, thanks. We, we don't really even, what are we thanking them for? You know, so sometimes you can say, I appreciate you. Thanks for being here today. And yes, it feels good for the other person, but it's our body getting that signal that things are good, that when we feel it and we express it. Well, and bringing this back to NICU families, something that we talk to families about on a regular basis during our Navigate the NICU sessions or just in personal conversations back and forth to families currently navigating the NICU, the NICU is hard. It is full of very difficult and challenging moments and bad days for families. It's why we named the organization today is a good day because we celebrated all of the good days that we had, which were few and far between in the beginning. But something that we talk to families about is what was a good moment today? What is something you are grateful for that happened today or a milestone that your baby hit today that is positive and good and having those families reflect back on that with us to say, my baby took a full bottle and mm -hmm. drank the whole bottle or my baby had moved from a ventilator to CPAP breathing, huge milestone, mm -hmm. right? So being able to celebrate those small victories and those gratitude gratitudes and the moments that these families have with their babies. Mm -hmm. It's like a life preserver. So we can be like really overwhelmed with all these negative, destructive things that are happening in our experience. But when we observe those moments of gratitude, whether they're milestones or even just simple things like the air in my lungs or the clothing mm -hmm. on my back, Sometimes when I've been in really difficult situations and it's really hard to find anything to be grateful for, I just think there's a roof over my head right now. That's enough. Mm -hmm. And so it can be this life preserver that when you're getting, you know, knocked down by these wave after wave, that it gives you something to hold on to. It sends a message to the body that there is light here. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the heart opening practices that are available on todayisagoodday.org and then maybe take us through a short practice as well? On the site, we have three practices. Uh, gratitude, as we just talked about, uh, as a meditation. So beyond just the journaling and the listing, this would actually be a meditation that invites you to reflect on certain things that uh, are supportive and that you're grateful for in your experience. Um, we also have loving kindness, which is a really beautiful practice to uh, reflect on the desire to be happy, healthy, free from stress for ourselves. And then we offer that to others. And it can be a really, um, can be a big game changer for a lot of people, especially in times of stress for NICU parents to wish the doctors and nurses and all the healthcare providers that are supporting them, for them to be happy and healthy and to be free from suffering, to live with peace and ease in their heart. Um, we can offer that out to strangers. We can offer it to all beings. Um, so it's really that way of kind of softening and cleaning that lens. Um, and then the other practice that we have on the site is a practice in self-compassion. Um, and there's an acronym that we use for this practice called RAIN. 
And R is recognizing what's here. A is allowing it to be here. I, investigating the experience. And N, nourishing, taking care of ourself, being compassionate, uh, a hand on the heart. It makes sense that I feel sad. It makes sense that I'm angry and confused. Uh, breathing into those feelings in the body. Is there anything that I need to do to take care of myself? Uh, and that can be as simple as maybe I just need a glass of water or walk around the block. But these practices can really help tune our awareness into what we need and how to best take care of ourselves. The self-compassion one take, I have to tell you, as a NICU parent myself and in so many of the conversations that I have with fellow NICU parents and especially moms who are sitting by the bed every single day nursing or uh, spending time there, the self-care, so many of the mothers that I talk with, our friends and, and volunteers, have a have a real struggle with that piece of it. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. self-care, the self-compassion. I don't I don't have to sit by this bedside for 24 hours a day, being allowing themselves to go get that glass of water that you were just talking about, or to step away to go for a quick walk outside. So I'm very excited about that practice that will be on the site. Mm. And very similar to mindfulness, these are practices that we do at any time. It's a skill building so that when we do meet those moments in the NICU or uh, stress outside, um, that we have these pathways of knowing how to take care of ourselves, knowing how to listen to the body, knowing, um, how our mind might be playing tricks on us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so practicing these on a consistent basis over time, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, an hour every day, mm -hmm. uh, but just taking the time to solidify these pathways in the brain can then really help us in those moments when we need it most. All right. Can you take us through a short practice? Sure. So let's take a moment to transition once again from the outer world and listening to this podcast and just turning the awareness inwards. And maybe for a few moments, just bringing the awareness to the heart center, perhaps noticing the beating or pulsing of the heart, perhaps noticing a sense of warmth or energy or emotion as we rest the awareness here. And if it feels comfortable for you, you can start to visualize that you can breathe directly into and out of the heart. And let's now use our thoughts to cultivate a sense of gratitude. And we'll do that by just calling to mind one thing that is going really well in this moment. It could be a big thing, it could be a little thing. It can even be listening to this podcast, taking the time to learn about stress management. And just hold this aspect of gratitude in your mind's eye if it's available to you, perhaps visualizing this experience or object that you might be grateful for. And as we hold this in the mind's eye, notice how it feels in the body. A lot of times when I practice gratitude, I feel a sense of relief. My shoulders drop. 
My chest becomes light. Just noticing how it feels in the body to be grateful. Perhaps I've seen, perhaps silently offering a thank you in the mind's eye to another person or yourself. And before we end this practice, let's just take a moment in silence to let any other aspects of gratitude begin to arrive in the mind's eye. So perhaps an appreciation for friends or family, the air in the lungs or the availability to fresh water. Just for a few more moments, let whatever arises in the mind when you reflect on all the good things in life. And if you are noticing a response in the body, perhaps allowing that feeling to grow through the entire somatic field of the body. And before we end, let's add a little bit of loving kindness here. So perhaps offering yourself a simple phrase in the mind, may I continue to feel this gratitude. And then if it feels comfortable extending this as a wish to all beings, may everyone experience a sense of gratitude and appreciation. And then letting go of any thought form or visualization and just resting for a moment to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And then on the next out breath, releasing that short practice and taking your time to transition once again to open eyes. Thank you, Tig. You know, when we reflect back on this episode and all of the different topics that we cover, it really brings you back to the moment that you're in, right? Present moment, breathing exercises, breathing where you are. And that reminds me personally of the NICU journey because that moment is all that a family has at the time. And the NICU can be one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time for the babies who are fighting and their family sitting next to them cheering them on. So I think that certainly relates back. And all of this definitely relates back to something that we've talked about many times over the years. But at Today is a Good Day, we talk a lot about taking it one day at a time. And again, that goes to one moment, one minute at a time in many of our conversations with families. But in a, a larger picture, also just taking today right? Taking the moment that we have, taking the the moment that we're in, the situation that we're in. I oftentimes refer to life in chunks of time. 
as we talk about the chapter in the NICU or Claire in early intervention or now in school and working with school to give her supports, that is all is a chunk of time and it's just taking today to get through it. Do you have anything to add to that I idea? Think, you know, the mantra of take today is so perfectly aligned with what we've been talking about and these contemplative practices of cultivating presence and allowing the moment to be as it is. And one of the things that I love about take today is that it doesn't mean that it's always going to be good. Mm-hmm. Many times it's not. Yes. And so what the invitation with take today is to not push against or push away anything or pull forward anything to just allow it to be as it is. Take it for what it's worth in all of its glory, in all of its pain, uh, and just allowing it to be there. Wonderful. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Did you want to end the session today with a reflection on take today? That sounds great. Wonderful. Okay. So as we reflect on this session and also what's happening in our life today, just take a moment to rest with these words as we reflect. Accepting unconditionally the unfolding of today and whatever form it's taken, that whatever has arise is difficult or painful or pleasant and happy that it's all allowed and accepted. Taking today invites us to allow whatever guest is arriving in our experience, from the pleasant to the painful, we can hold whatever is arising with a sense of calm and allowance. Softening any resistance to challenges of the day feeling that appreciation and gratitude for the bright spots of the day. It's a reminder to stay grounded and present and connecting to a sense of ease and peace, even in the middle of difficulty. So let's just rest for a moment here and open the awareness, open our hearts so wide and so spacious that it can hold the contents of the day not trying to change anything, just being with what is. And just being here, taking this moment, taking this breath, taking this day. And then as you're ready, making the transition back to open eyes, if you've had them closed. Thank you for being here to share so much of your knowledge and helping us to walk through all of these different practices, which are available on todayisagoodday.org for families, for anyone to access. Thanks for reminding us to be in the present moment and to take today. Thank you.